looking at my life right now a lot this week, and I was looking at a lot of different circumstances and saying, technically speaking, a lot of these things I don't need to need him for. There are actions that I can take. There are things that I can do that could influence an outcome for better or for worse. And it was easy to want God in those moments. But I had to ask myself, did I choose to need him? And if you're anything like me, a control freak, a very self-independent person, it feels wrong to need someone. We can be, we can view codependence on God as something that it, the humane is bad. So we ascribe that same badness to our relationship with him. But we were designed to need him. We were designed to be in relationship with him. It is not greedy or weak to say, God, I need you in every circumstance in life. It is the wisest thing that we can do to invite him in to everything that we face and say, God, I don't just want you to be a part of this. I need you to be a part of this. I want and I need. And I don't know what circumstances you're facing, which ones are so out far outside of our control that it would be easy to need him and which ones are technically within our power to change on our own. But I'm choosing to need him regardless of where my circumstances fall on that scale. I'm inviting you to need him all the same and to learn to love to need him. So let's pray before we start this together. God, we need you this morning. We need you and we choose to need you. We want you and we need you, God. God, we need you. The people outside of these four walls need you. Our country needs you. Our world needs you. Our generation needs you. God, this day and age needs Jesus in every facet of who you are, as comforter, as counselor, as king, as ruler, as love and truth and hope and freedom and healing as provider. Lord, we thank you for giving us the ability to choose, for giving us free will. But God, we're choosing to surrender that way. To surrender the power to make these differences in our lives now. Saying, God, we know there is no one more suited to making every call, making every shot than you. God, you have proven throughout history to us, time and again, when people have known they've needed you and when people have thought in their pride that they have not, that you, God, come through every time. That you are strong and wise and true to your word. So it is the God of every day and age that we choose to trust in this day and age, that we choose to need in this day and age, God. And we cast out all shame or hesitation in needing you today, God. We love you, God. We honor you today. We choose you and we trust you. And it is in your holy and almighty name that we pray. Amen. Jacob, whose love endures through generations. 
Breakthrough will come, calling the 
today that need God to turn something around. They need, they, 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 they need a heart change. They, 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 need, they need an addiction broken. They, they need some provision in that bank account. They, they, they need a sickness to be vanquished. And they, they need a relationship restored. They, they, there needs to be something being turned around. God, hear our cry. God, turn it around. Come on, church. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Make that your cry. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Let it be from your lips to his ears. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, God, turn it around. I can't, but you can. God, turn it around. There's nothing impossible with Jesus. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth, Lord God, is filled with your glory. That means there's no place your light can't shine. No place your love can't win. No place your authority can't move in the name of Jesus this morning. Daddy, you know it. You know it because you know our hearts. You know our lives better than we do. You know circumstances, situation. You know the areas that have been given over to the enemy and the places the enemy has won. The lies we believed. They need to be shattered today in the name of Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy is the name of Jesus. Holy. Let your kingdom come, Daddy. Jesus, let it rule. 
Oh God, oh God, let the balm of Gilead flow in the name of Jesus. Let the oil of heaven flow in the name of Jesus. Let the living water flow up from within us in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Let every shackle fall off. Let every blind eye open this morning, Lord God. Every scale on our heart be removed in the name of the King. Daddy, for those who find themselves far from you this morning, soften their hearts because we already know you're wooing them to your side. Let your love be like a blanket that warms their soul today. For those who have been discouraged, maybe lost hope, wandered from faith this morning, I pray that your grace may woo them home again. Let us know like the prodigal's child, there's no distance too great and no pigsty so dirty that your grace can't bring us home. Come on, Dad, I don't know what you're in. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you're going through, but I know this. There's not, too, not a distance too far. There's not a pigsty too, so dirty that my God's love, His grace can't woo you out of it, can't restore you from it, can't clean you up and put a new ring on your hand, a new sandals on your feet, a new robe of righteousness on your life. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. This is your place, Jesus, not ours. So we surrender. We surrender. We lift up our hands, not just in worship, but we lift up our hands in surrender. And we say, we can't, but you most certainly can. You are the king seated on the throne. We are not, you are. In the name of Jesus, we ask that your kingdom in all of its fullness may come. Your will in all of its wholeness and holiness may be done. In our lives, in this church, in our nation, in our world, as it already is, exists in heaven. Let it be here on earth in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give God some glory this morning. Just, hey, look, if you believe you got an answer for prayer, can you be someone who just says, man, God, you're awesome. Woo! Hey, good morning, Connect Church. So good to see you today. Oh, you're looking beautiful and great. See, smiles. I'm believing there's some smiles behind the masks that I can't see. Hey, can I just say, what we just prayed, I want to encourage you not to let it be, um, don't let it just be rhetoric. Let it move from our mouth to our hearts today. What's that old saying? I know when I was growing up, the greatest distance in the world is the 18 inches from my head to my heart. I think that's probably true. Today. Do you actually believe all things are possible? Because I know before service, I was over there praying for some impossible circumstances when people are going through at our church and I give you God to show up. Ain't no doctor going to do nothing. I can't change it. But I know a king who can. My faith isn't moved by the circumstances of the world. My faith moves the circumstances of the world because my king is the king of the world. And look, I don't know if my God's going to move on this side of the veil or the other, but I know my king wins either way. But I'm going to pray like he's going to do it on this side. Come on, somebody. And glorify him one way or the other. Because my king is worthy of praise this morning.
Man, I had a... I had a week that I didn't come in ready to praise. Somebody, any, anybody know those kind of weeks where you're like, man, I got to get to church to praise, but I don't got nothing that I feel like I want to praise for. My king shows up time and time and time and time and time again. The issue is not he doesn't show up. It's that we mess up the time. We're like, God, you better show up in this time. He's like, I'm showing up in my time. So you all better just sit down. Come on, right? You better start praising me in this time because I'm showing up in my time. So I just want to encourage you today. You may have had a mountaintop experience week. Man, I'm so happy for you. You may have been in the valley this week. I can relate. But all I know is this. He's the king of the mountain, and he's the king of the valley. And he never leaves you. I just want to encourage you. You may be watching today because I know there's so many people today sick at home and going through what you're going through. And I want to speak this to you because I believe God spoke this to me this morning as well. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That's it. Somebody needs to hear this morning that no matter what you're going through, he will never leave your side. He will never forsake you. He will walk you to completion. Whether that completion be on this side of the veil or the other, whether it be in this situation or the next, whether it be in the way you think he'll do it or another way, my God will not leave you. My God will not forsake you. He is faithful to himself. He's faithful to his bride, and he's faithful to his word. And that's what I know this morning. If you agree with that, can you just say amen this morning? My God is a faithful God. Well, I'm so glad you are here today. If this is your first or second time, welcome to Connect. It's really great to have you. Thank you for being our guest today. We pray that you may consider making this your home and getting to know people and living life in community here. We've been talking about community. We're going to talk about it again today. But one of the things, just before you're being seated, one of the things that we do in community that's going to be that's so awesome and is baptisms. And uh, we don't just do them after service. We used to do them after service, and some people would stay and some people would leave. But we now do them in service just because, just like everything else, this is part of family life. We take communion together. We hear the word together. We worship together. We should be baptized together, right? We should be doing life together. It's part of it. So I want to invite you. I know some of you didn't have an opportunity last time we did baptism for many reasons to join us in baptism. But uh, baptism is coming up May, I mean May, May. That's a really long notice. May and May, it's coming up. No, thank you for throwing it up on the slide. Uh, May, November 20th. Uh, it's, it's actually the Saturday right before Thanksgiving. I don't know if there's a better kind of moment to be baptized than to right there before Thanksgiving and say, I'm going to start my Thanksgiving week being thankful in the waters of baptism. And so you can go to the link tree if you're a guest and let us know you're here. You can go there and register, sign up for baptisms as well. You could, uh, right after service, we'll have uh, Pastor Rick and, and some of the team back at these tables. You can always come and talk to them as well. So thank you guys for coming this morning and being here. This is what life in church is. It's not a service, it's a community. It's not a service, it's a community. So as you're being seated, before you're being seated, why don't you just turn to someone in community that you didn't come to church with, give them a high five, you'll come to a little fist pump, say hi to them, tell them it's good to see their face this morning. My God is good. My God is good all the time. I got one person, hallelujah. My God is good all the time and all the time. My God is good. Yes. 
Love some of my church folk who grew up in church. They know some of those callbacks. I love it. It's fantastic. Come on. You, you're like, he has risen, right? And people will be like, he has risen indeed. I'm like, that's my church folk. That's awesome. Oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. Can I just tell you, can I just, before we hop into the word this morning, because uh, I just want to say one thing. Um, thank you for coming and being a part of uh, pre-service. If you've been coming and being a part of pre-service, there's just, I said to our team the other day, um, I said to our team the other day, uh, I, I, would, I would rather have to look at my notes three or four more times um, and be in pre-service to get my spirit ready, to, 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 to get everything else out of the way, because I don't know about you, like just waking up in the morning, getting here on a Sunday morning, like, just because I'm a pastor, it's not like, hey, everything, like, all the roads open up, oh, you know, I'm driving out, all the, there's no accidents, right? The car never, always has a full tank of gas. The dog always sleeps until 10, right? Like, it's, no. The dog was up at 4. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, there was about 17 things that went wrong before I left the house today. You're like, ah. And just think about it, man. You get here and... And, 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 and you have a little bit of time to be with the king. And let those things be silenced. And let his voice be heard. So that we don't have to get to the third point of the message before you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm in church now. This is great. It's just powerful. Besides, you may not need it, but someone next to you may need it. And there's power when two touch something in agreement. So I'm going to keep inviting you back. Come on out just a few minutes early. Get in the service. Get in pre-service. Start praying. Start worshiping. Let the Holy Spirit do what he can do. Were you guys ready for the word today? Before that, but can I just say, hey, Pastor Ron, we love you. Pastor Ron is in Europe today. Love you, dude. Hope you uh, uh, got there safely. Uh, we need to be praying for the Phillies. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Shout out for them. I know this is a big Philadelphia week. It's like Friday, Saturday. It was Phillies, Phillies, and then the Eagles are tonight, and then there's Phillies, 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 and then the Eagles are in Houston as well, and then the Phillies. Yes, this is awesome. It's great to be a Philadelphia fan. It's fantastic. I know some of you need redemption. We'll pray for you after service. <laughs> yeah, we used to have somebody on our team who was a Cardinals fan, and uh, I know you're watching right now, and uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, yep, we done went to your place and beat you. That's all I'm saying. Not talking trash. I know it's wrong to do that on the stage, on the altar of God, but hey, that's the way it works. Um, Hey, if you, if you brought your, since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. Samuel, 1 Samuel is the ninth book of the Old Testament. And we're going to continue talking just a little bit more about what we've been talking about the last couple weeks, the power of partnership. What does community life look like because it's been so tainted in modern church world? We have been skewed to believe church over the last a uh, few hundred years, but in particular over the last 80 years, to think about church in one way. And then we get disappointed and discouraged and disillusioned. And what we're seeing today at, in unprecedented numbers is men and women of faith deconstructing their faith and making it just about themselves and Jesus. But we know that's, a, Jesus said, I've come to build my church. And it's not a building, although a building is important. It's a place to gather together to celebrate who he is. 
It's not an institution, although there are institutional boundaries and structure that's needed to run an organization to help people move forward. And vision, the Bible says, if you get a vision, write it down. Why? Because it takes structure to run with something. Right? These, these things are important. But church has been redefined as a place of gathering that we meet for, 20, for 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. But what God has been building and will continue to build, which then becomes semi, a, a way for us not to be disenfranchised, is a community of faith. But it will take some dis kind of reprogramming in our mind to understand what it means to be community. Because can I be honest, if you grew up in the Northeast, we're not really good at community. We're good at telling you how we feel. We don't have any problem letting you know what we think. But we really don't really live in community. So if you need a title for today's message, it's put some feet on it. Put some feet on it. My favorite elementary school teacher, Mrs. Klingelhofer, she was awesome. She had this saying, she said, baby, you got to dig hard for the truth. But when you get it, you got to put feet on it. Baby, you got to dig hard for the truth. But once you get it, you got to put feet on it. What she was saying is this, it wasn't enough to learn a lesson. You actually had to learn how to apply that in your life. It's not good enough to learn the lesson so you can pass a test. It's learning how to apply education. That's the power of education. It's not so you can get a test or get a better SAT score. It's so that you can apply different things, principles in your life to advance life. It, it, it really echoes what Jesus told us, doesn't it, in John chapter 8, verse 32, where he says, um, abide in my word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is he saying? He's not saying intellectually understand the Bible. He's saying we have to experience it. That's actually what that Greek word to know means. It actually means to be intimate with it. He's saying, man, you've got to apply this thing in your life, and then freedom will follow. That's why just memorizing a verse doesn't matter. That's why just quoting a verse doesn't matter. It's actually the verse coming out of our mouth actually gives life it should bring life to the action that our body should follow. That's where freedom is found. Now, we love those things when it comes to salvation and healing, right? Those scriptures on healing or wholeness or abundance or God providing for us, those things are awesome. We probably start to apply those. But when it comes to church and community life, these are the things that become more difficult. So as we continue to talk about partnership and learning to live in community, so often I think we struggle because we're, we're trying to see how we could play a part in the success. How could we play a part in the success and health and wholeness of the community? We may see how a preacher or a prophet or a teacher or maybe someone who could play music or someone who's good with kids. We may understand how they may be able to be used in community. But very rarely do we truly comprehend the intricate design that God has created inside of us inside of us. Do you understand how intricately you were designed? How beautifully you were created. And that that creation was not a mistake. You're not a mistake. I don't care what evolutionists say. You did not climb out of some cosmic goop. My God formed you and crafted you and he designed you and he placed you. You are not here by accident. You're not where you live by accident. It may have been some trauma that got you where you are. It may have been a roundabout. Come on. The, the Red Sea, you may have had to journey through the wilderness to get to the place you are. You are not where you are by accident. God has crafted you, created you, and designed you and placed you 
in order to actually change the community that he placed you in. That's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's workmanship. We are his craftsmanship. My God don't make no junk. My God doesn't make any mistakes. You are not a mistake. You may not have been planned, but you are not a mistake. Your parents may not have actually had a plan to have you, but you are not a mistake. My God knows who you are, and he brought you to this place. Why? So we can be created in Jesus Christ for the good works that he has designed. And he's not just talking about your good vocation. My God is awesome. He blesses you with vocational skills, but he has actually designed you with kingdom skills. The issue, I think, many times is that we struggle to understand how the things of God that he's placed in our heart or the ability that we see in our hands or the lack of ability maybe we see in our hands can actually make a difference in our world, in our community. Whether that world be big, so big that it's overwhelming to think about, or so small that we've isolated ourselves, the truth is that community is always going to be larger than us. Because community is greater than the sum of its parts. That's the kingdom of God. That's why the kingdom of God and his church cannot be reliant on the gifts of a few or the gifts of the one. That's what we saw last week, isn't it? When God created Adam and he chose him and he ordained him and he anointed him and he empowered him. He placed him in a garden without need and then he looked at him and said, yup, this ain't good. Because kingdom community was never designed for the one or the few to bring the change. Kingdom community was for us to do life empowered together because kingdom community is built like a body isn't it with every part playing its part and having a part some of those parts are more visible some of those parts are more behind the scenes but can we be honest we need every part we need every part and I think maybe one of the greatest challenges to us as followers of Jesus in our modern world is that we have not learned how we can fit into our community of faith. Because we don't need to. That's why we have relegated it to what we can do. Which is, well, I can give some. I can show up when I'm able. I may be able to help out at an event. But my friends, we are seeing our lives too small and through too small a window. My God crafted you. Designed you and made you for community. In this text we're going to look at today, we're going to see how the enemy once again came, as he always does, to rob, kill, and destroy God's community. And what, what, what makes it worse in this story is that they only have one sword available among the people of God. They were unequipped, so they were oppressed. I want to let you know, it doesn't not matter how long you've been in the army of God, if you stay unequipped, you will be oppressed. I'm going to say it again. It's not about length of time of salvation. If you, uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been in the army. If you do not have a sword that you're carrying, if you are not being equipped, you will be oppressed. And that's when we get disillusioned with God because we're like, God, I've been a Christian for so long. God, I've given up all these things. God, I've gone to church so many times. Why am I still oppressed? Because the Bible says when they did not have equipment, when they were not equipping themselves, the enemy oppressed them and robbed their harvest. 
But God chose to use a man by the name of Jonathan and his armor bearer to overcome an enemy well beyond their means. And in so doing, they set the community free. Maybe by wrestling with some of the questions that Jonathan wrestled with, we can actually be a part this morning of finding how to put feet on it. Like we know, I think everyone in here is probably agreeing. I know I'm probably supposed to be part of the community. I know God probably did design me on purpose. I know that, that church is probably more than 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. I got it, I probably don't. But we're struggling to see how we can do it. What's it look like? Put feet on it. What's in your heart? What's in your hand? What's in your world? When we are willing to answer these three questions, we may find our place in liberating our community. Let's look at this together. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 says this. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the, uh, this garrison of the uncircumcised, the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord, per, underline this, by the way. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Just underline that. Because that, that's crazy. That verse right there should be like, that's done crazy. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Two guys against the entire army. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you heart and soul. And then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. Come on, church. We're going to just stop right there. And we will show ourselves to them. When you and I are willing to show ourselves to the world, show ourselves to the enemy, show ourselves into the community, things that once seemed impossible can now become possible. That's what Christian faith is all about. It's about recognizing that there's things that seem impossible to the world that your neighbors won't ever understand, that your boss will tell you the way you're thinking is crazy, that your aunt will be like, you're nuts for even believing that, but God has brought you to a place where he has positioned you to face the impossible so that he can actually be the God of the impossible. He wants to show himself to the world, and he does it through you and I. Maybe. Why? Why is this so important? Because if we're honest, our community is in need of being set free. In this house and out of this house. There are people sitting next to you, behind you, online, your neighbors, your friends. We're, we're in need. If you don't believe we're in need, come on out, check out when we give away food on TKC. Just one area of need and you'll see that there's people desperately in need in our community. But we have the power of God. We are not like the world who depends on others. We can depend on the king. And that's where I think we have to get to, uh, to, to this place in this church and in our lives as disciples. Because communities are set free by disciples whose hearts are spurred on by the things of God. Not the, the goals of this world, not the dreams of this world. There's nothing wrong with having goals or dreams. But what I'm saying is what should be spurring on is our heart is actually seeing communities that are oppressed be set free. What's the first thing the armor bearer says to Jonathan? Do everything that's in your heart, bro. Whatever's in your heart. 
Why is that so important? Because what is he saying? He said, what are you passionate about? Because whatever you're passionate about that God's placed in there, go for it. Let's go for it. I'm with you. You don't have to do it alone. I've got your back. I'm with you heart and soul. doesn't matter what it costs me. We're in this thing together because there's power in partnership. I may not even have the sword. You may have it. I may have the shield. I don't have to do all the same thing. We're going to take this thing together. There's power here. What's in your heart? Can I ask you the same question? If I was your armor bearer, what could I say? Do what's in your heart. What's in your heart? What are you passionate about? Because passion, the, the heart, when it's redeemed, is this birthplace of action. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 12, we have to have a clean heart. We've got to submit our heart to the king. Why? Because out of the treasure of our heart comes good things. That's why the Bible says in, in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks not in his mind but in his heart about himself, that's how he or she will act. It's why the word says in Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart it, with all diligence. Keep it under the things of God. Why? Because out of your heart will come all the decisions of your life. This is why it's important what's in our heart. What we place in our heart, what we sow in our heart, what we let our heart dream about, what we let our heart run wild with, what we don't reel in our heart from actually desiring at times. This is why it's so important in our hearts to settle who we are and whose we are before we wrestle with what we should do. Who we are and whose we are. Because the issue is when we talk about our heart. We need to realize that Jonathan had settled in his heart that he was the son of the king. That's who he was. He was Saul's son. He was a prince in this, of the kingdom. So our first challenge as disciples of Jesus Christ is we need to settle in our heart when it comes to God's community that we are the king's kids. Well, like, like the person next to you is your sister or your brother, and not in a dysfunctional, weird way like maybe some of us had growing up. I'm talking about in a kingdom concept that we are princes and princesses of heaven. And that because of that, this community in this house and the community God has placed us in in the world is our responsibility. These are our people. This is our but these are our, this is our community. The enemy has no right to them. The enemy doesn't just have no right to your kids. The enemy has no right to your friends. The enemy has no right to your boss. The enemy has no right uh, to your grandchildren. The enemy has no right to the person sitting next to you or behind you. He has no right to steal their health. He has no right to bring lack, to shackle them with addiction, to rob them of hope, to steal their joy. But man, if we don't see them as our people, then it's, well, that's their problem. No, 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 no. Jonathan said, man, if one person is oppressed in my community, we're all oppressed. And man, I'm not waiting for someone else to make a difference. I'm going to do what I can do to change the outcome because the enemy has no right. The cross assures me the enemy has no right not only on my life, the enemy has no right as we extend the kingdom of God. Can I be honest with you, though? Here's the reality is that I would do anything for my wife Danielle and for Jake. Anything, anything, I would do anything. Do you know why? Because I love them with everything I've got. And the truth is I'd probably do just about anything for most of my friends. Probably you would too. But the truth is that the further away from true intimacy and love we have for that person or for that community, the less likely we are to risk the resource of our heart. Because your heart is a resource. There's a risk to loving. There's a risk to giving. There's a risk to helping. 
Because it can be thrown back in your face. It, it, it can be discarded. It, it, it can be crushed. There's a risk to it. And the further away we get from actually intimacy with people, the less likely we are to take those risks. But this is what Jesus understood, and this is why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 46, he said, if you and I love the people who love us, what reward is there? Even the tax collectors who are sinners do that. He's challenging you and I to a different place. The challenge, my friends, isn't simply in giving more to the community. Don't hear your pastor say, we need you to give more to the community. It's in growing with intimacy with the community so that we're willing to risk more for the community. I'm willing to risk more love when I love people in the community. We were talking this week with our Forge group, my pastor, our pastoral team, and I was saying, you know, for me, one of the greatest challenges uh, in the last four years has really been this change in my heart from loving the church to loving the people in the church. And I know it sounds semantical, but it's not. Because the truth is, I would do anything for the church before, but not necessarily anything for the people in the church. Because I love church. I love the bride. I love what God has done. But there needed to be a switch in me. And there needs probably to be a switch in American culture when it comes to church, not just us loving church esoterically, but us actually loving each other tangibly. How do we do that? That's a great question. I think we can look, if we look at the story of the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, many of you may be familiar with the story. A rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, look, I've, I've kept the law. I've been really good my whole life. What more? What more do I need to do? I'm pretty good. I've been to church my entire life. Church kid, done good. And Jesus said, this is what you need to do. Sell what you've got and give it to the poor. And he's like, I'm out. Now, there's a lot of lessons I think that we can learn there, but I think one of the lessons, especially when it comes to this, that maybe can help us, maybe if we dig a little bit, do you hear the heartbeat of what Jesus is saying? He's saying, man, take what you love, money, and make it how you love, give it away. Take what you love and make it how you love. Take what you love and make it how you love. My friends, can I ask you a question this morning? What are you passionate about? What really stirs you? Are you passionate about cooking? I love cooking, right? Maybe it's cars. I don't know a thing about cars. I'm horrible. I am mechanically challenged. I can't do it. I know for some of you, you're like, you're an idiot. I probably am. I can't do it. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's tech. Man, maybe it's finances. Maybe you get geeked out by, 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 by budget sheets. That's awesome because someone needs to know how to set a budget. You're like, that's easy for you. But have we asked God how to use these things to bless his community, to set his community free? Because God has created us with passions, not to be controlled by them, but to use them to worship the king by blessing his community with them. How? You know, Melissa, she's our chef, our TKC chef. She is awesome. She's not here this morning. She's sick. Melissa, we love you. We're praying for you this morning. Truly. But I love her because we didn't hire her because she had 18 degrees from culinary schools. Like, Melissa just loves to cook. 
And she's awesome at it because for her whole life, she's been cooking for huge families. She's been cooking for friends. She's been cooking for people who don't come to church. She's been cooking for people who do come to church. If you've been sick probably and know Melissa, she's probably rolled up sometime somewhere at your house with some soup or some goodies to make you feel good. Why? Because she loves to cook. Everybody doesn't need to do what Melissa does, but Melissa has a passion and she uses it. Come on, somebody. She takes what she loves and she makes it how she loves into the world. A few weeks ago, we opened up the storehouse down, uh, down in building one, and man, people were coming in, and can I tell you, it unlocked some things in people. People started to say, man, I've, got, I've always had a vision for this. I have a passion for this. Man, I've been, I've, been having, I've been storing stuff in my basement for years, getting ready for something I didn't even know about. This is what God, it started to stir something, because when you start to do something in the natural, you don't know what's going to stir the spiritual that God had already placed in them in the supernatural years ago months ago they may have had a dream last week and you didn't even know about it but when you begin to start to do something it stirs things in people what's in your heart what do you what 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 are you passionate about man if you love cars uh can i can i encourage you get a couple of your friends go find some single parents and change the oil in their cars hey you don't have to babysit their kids you don't have to buy them a new car. I promise you, they will be willing to listen to what you have to say when you bless them with an oil change. If you love music, find somebody in, in this community who might want to learn, but maybe feels too old or doesn't have the resources for lessons. And just be like, dude, let's just get together. I'll teach you. I can't do everything, but everyone can do something. We don't have to all be the same. Jonathan had the sword. The armor bearer carried a shield, but they were on the same mission. And together they changed their community. And I believe it all started because Jonathan in his heart had a passion that said, I will not let my people be oppressed. He understood that which God had placed in his heart was ordained to change his community. What God has placed in your heart may bless you vocationally, but it was there to bless and set free his community. What is in your heart? It's the first part of putting, putting feet to this thing. I love it because once we've kind of wrestled with that, we can look and understand that communities, my friends, are set free by disciples who use the ordinary things in their hands to do extraordinary things with God. Not for God, with God. God's already in it. He's just inviting us to be a part of it. I think the issue that Jonathan was facing was that there was only one sword. There was only one sword. There was only one sword in the whole camp because the Philistines, the enemy, had convinced King Saul they didn't need any blacksmiths. They didn't need any blacksmiths. The enemy could provide everything that the community of God needed. Oh my gosh, church, listen to that. Just grab a hold of that and think about it for a moment. The enemy came to the leadership of the community and said, you don't have to worry about it. Man, we've got everything covered. We'll take care of you. You don't need to put your people at work. We'll make sure life is good. Oh, how we're falling for that in our world today. Come on, the problem was everyone was around Jonathan. Everyone around him was present, but they were not prepared. They'd been lulled to sleep and lacked the ability to wage war oh, against the enemy. And that's what's going on in our modern culture. Our modern culture is telling us, come on, everything that you need to make you happy, we've got. 
You don't need to do the work. You don't need to take the risk. You don't need to get the burns of a blacksmith. Come on, we've got everything you need to be happy. Oh, go to church, do the religious thing, put in your time with God to make sure you get to heaven. But don't worry about it. Everything, church, that you need, we've got. It's the danger of the modern church as well. Seeing life from that perspective. But the truth is the enemy will and has deceived the community. It makes us believe we don't need our armor. We don't need our sword. We don't need our shield. Why? Because we've got one. Our leader has one. Our leader's got a sword. It's good. I only need one. You're fine. Why should I take the risk of getting burned, putting in the sweat, working with all the heat? But here's the truth. The enemy removes the threat to his success by removing the tools of our warfare. The enemy diminishes and removes the threat to his success by removing the tools of our warfare. I'm not just talking about what goes on on Sunday. I'm talking about what gets developed on Sunday that is made for us to take into the battle in the harvest fields that God has for us because that's where the enemy was encamped. Do you know where the enemy was encamped? In their harvest field. But you gotta have, you gotta get equipped. You've got to get your sword. You've got to get your shield. You've got to get armored up. You've got to be engaged and ready to go and bring what God has developed in here out there. Do you know what's so sad about this? Think about this. He convinces us to not use our weapons, but he keeps his. The devil didn't surrender his weapons. The Bible still says he has schemes, he has fiery darts, he still has the weapons of fear and doubt and disillusionment and hatred and disappointment, right, and sickness and disease, but he wants to convince the community of faith that it all rests on one sword in the hand of one man in order to keep you and I unequipped and disengaged. But the Bible tells me in Ephesians 6 verse 11 that if I'm a man of God, if I'm a woman of God, i got to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because there is a battle that I have been designed to fight. I am not allowed to put my sword down. I am not allowed to just get armored up and say, thank God someone else has a shield to protect me and a sword to defend me. The Bible says I have to put it on. i got to become equipped. That's why forged and shoulder to shoulder is so important. Why? Because it deals with things that keep us unequipped and keeps us without the tools and the oppression. The trap is, I think, as believers, we look at what is in our hand as ordinary because it's common to us. I mean, after all, everybody can do this. What's the big deal? No, not everybody can do that. It, it seems ordinary because it's ordinary to you. But I promise you, Give me a tool and put me behind a car, you're going to be pedaling a bike. <laughs> like for you, two minutes, me, no, you're pedaling. But disciples realize that when they lay down what is ordinary in their hands, God makes it extraordinary in his. Isn't this what we see in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2? Moses, he's at the burning bush. God says, I, hey Moses, I got a plan for you. I want to set you uh, some community free. Do you see a common theme, by the way, from the beginning? I, I want to set some community free. Uh, the community, by the way, that you used to be a part of, the community that, that you don't really know yet, but, but, but I know. I, I, I wanted to set them free. And he goes, uh, God, how can I do that? What was God's question to him? Hey, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You mean this old shepherd's stick? This thing that's got some sheep poop on it? 
It's splintered, it's dirty, it's dusty, it's rotting out. This thing, God, what's the, this is just an ordinary, sh- uh-huh, awesome. I know it's ordinary, throw it down. He throws it down and what happens to it? It turns into a snake. What's he do? He runs away because he's a wise man. There's some intelligence. See, you got to know where there's wisdom right there. He runs away. But the Bible says he comes back and he picks it up by the tail. And the tail becomes the head because that's what happens when Jesus takes us. He takes us and the the tail becomes the head. We're no longer the tail. We're the head. We're no longer the victims. We are the victors. We no longer are being bitten by the snake because it has no power against you and I. There's a turnaround. What was ordinary became extraordinary when he laid it down. It became the rod of God. It became the weapon that overcame enemies. It became the rod that opened up red seas. Don't get me wrong. It was useful as a tool when he was leading sheep through the desert. But it was transformative when it was a weapon that, was destro- that destroyed the enemy and set, com- uh, set com- uh, communities free. Either one of them was in his hands. You get to choose. Keep the ordinary. Don't get me wrong. You'll lead some sheep. You'll, 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 you'll be all right as a shepherd. You, you'll get by. But man, when you lay down what is ordinary in your hands so that God can make it extraordinary, you might just have a transformational moment that changes and sets communities free. I think the reality is, my friends, we have to see something beyond what is normal to us. We've got to see something beyond what's normal to you and I. Well, I don't know about you. I know some of you, this is true. When I was growing up, some of you understand, like... One of the best days of the week was being able to go to McDonald's, go through the drive-thru, get yourself a Happy Meal. Because Happy Meals rock, especially when they had the little toy in it, Disney toy. It was awesome. I loved it. It was fantastic. Right? That was great. That was the epitome of life when you were a kid. And then someone dreamed up DoorDash. Hallelujah. My brothers, they bring the food to your house. I can be in my PJs. I don't care what people think. I don't have to get out of my, out of my bed. They bring the food to me. Man, when I was younger, you needed to get somewhere. You either had to call a cab, come on, hitch a ride from a friend, or get on your bike and pedal. Then somebody dreamed up Uber. Yes! Come on. They saw something different than what they normally had. I think sometimes, especially in the church world, we are limited the most by our own perceptions and our own cultural restrictions. This is kind of what church is. This is what church isn't. I know if I want to be a part of church, I can join kids or I can join worship or maybe I can open a door. All those things are true, but that is not community. That's not the only thing that God has created you to do or be. It's why you get frustrated. It's why you get, uh, uh, get, get bored with church because how ought, if you're not passionate about it, if it's not flowing from your gifts, Instead of asking the question, what possibly could I do with this little town I have? As disciples of Jesus, we need to ask, how can I see what's in my hand differently? You know, Pastor John over here, he didn't know how to play the keyboard, but he saw an opportunity. So he sat before God and he learned. Now it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. He helps you be set free from what you're going through. I'm wearing this cross today because an uncle of someone in our church made this. He's not a professional jeweler. He didn't go to school for jewelry making. He just loved God. He loved Jesus. He loved the cross. Figured out how to put some, cro- uh, some, some uh, nails together. I, didn't even, I don't even know. I've never met the man. 
He's home to be with Jesus now, but every time I wear this, I'm uplifted. Every time I wear it, I'm encouraged because he just took what was ordinary to him and God is using it in an extraordinary way in me. This isn't rocket science. It's the kingdom. I love that Jonathan, when it came to this, didn't complain about what he didn't have. He simply used what he did. What was in his hand? He didn't say, oh, well, my dad messed up, leadership messed up, government messed up. Oh, it's their problem. They should fix it. Can't believe it. He wasn't interested in blaming people. He wasn't interested in finger pointing. He understood what he did have, and he decided to make a difference in his community with it. You do have things. The Bible is clear, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The the manifestations of the gifts are given to each and every one who knows Jesus for the common good. That word means the community, the good of the community. I remember when I was uh, in college in Tennessee, um, I, I was on a dirt road one night and I was broken down. I got broken down. Now I was driving a 300ZX, right? So I thought I was really cool. Had a really cool sports car. I was awesome. I had cool hair. I had cool, I had cool clothes. I was going to a really good school. I was playing football. I was BMOC. You know, this is, I was, yeah, but I, I, was, I, was, I was still busting. Come on. Still busted down on the side of the road, in the back road of Tennessee. The movie Deliverance going through your mind. I know, it's horrible. Busted down. Good old boy. Pulled up in his busted up Ford pickup truck. Hey man, you need some help? That'd be great. He hopped under the hood. Five minutes later, my car was rolling. Who cares? How fancy my clothes were, how free my education was, how far I could throw a football. I didn't have the skill set that he had. To me, what he had that he thought was ordinary was extraordinary to me. How many people in our world are still broken down on the side of life? Because we are not pulling up with our gifts that are ordinary and giving God a go to do something extraordinary. Come on, how many kids need tutoring and you're a teacher? How many single moms need their oil changed or people struggling with addictions need someone to walk with them? Isn't this the message of the Good Samaritan? Luke 10? Do you know what I love about that story? Is that he's not a doctor. He's not the physiotherapist that this guy's going to need after being beaten so bad to learn how to walk again and think again and move again. Do you know what he, he does? He takes what he has. He, I have some oil. I mean, I have some oil, some wine, and some bandages. I'll wrap them up. I've got a donkey. I can put. I can give him transport. I've got a little coin in my pocket. I can pay for it. He didn't have to do everything. He could. He had to do something. And that's the challenge for all of us. We all don't have to do everything, but we have to do something. This is what Jonathan did. He understood that one sword that is used in faith is more powerful than an army of God unequipped and disengaged. We've been designed with talents and abilities that may look ordinary, but they are extraordinary when they are laid down for God's glory. My friends, what's in your world? What's in your hand that can change our world? Everyone seated here has gifts and talents that I don't have that somehow are missing in this community, that we think are ordinary, but if we'll lay them down, they'll become extraordinary. I'm here to tell you, no matter how gifted I am up here, 
No matter how hard I pray, no matter how much Greek I know, how many Hebrew words I can quote, I am not skilled enough, talented enough, or anointed enough, and nor is any other preacher on the planet to be the gifts that the people next to you need. I know my lane. I'll die doing it. But if you're expecting just one person to carry the sword and win the day, that's not how God does it. Let me end. You guys good? We all right? I'm sweaty. But I just want to bring this home. Because I think we have to answer this final question of what's in our world. Because communities are set free by disciples who recognize the world they are ordained to set free is the world God already placed them in. The truth is, Jonathan didn't need to go anywhere. He didn't. These were his people in his community. And I, and I think sometimes we are the one sword. Uh, we have the one sword. And other times we are the person with the shield covering somebody. But many times we are the ones in the crowd in need of someone hopefully seeing our need in our world. We don't want to admit that we ever have a need, but we are praying down deep inside, God, let somebody see. God, bring an answer. Do you know how God usually brings an answer? With two feet. We believe, we want him to bring it down on angels' wings. You know how God tends to bring the answers to people's needs and community with the two feet of people in his community? The issue is, when we think about God calling us to go out into the world, right? Matthew 28, 19, to go in all the world and make disciples. We think about going to China or India or Africa. And that actually is for some people. Matter of fact, I love it. We've Matthew and, and Liberty Harris and Nepal right now. I'm excited for them. But when we think about that, for the majority of Christ's followers, the world Jesus has brought us to is the world he has called us to. Uh, called us to. The world he has brought us to is the world he's called us to. The world he's brought us to is the world he's called us to. Do you realize that the majority of Jesus' ministry, his whole life, was lived within 50 or 60 miles of his town that he grew up in? The overwhelming majority of everything Jesus did was done within a circle of 50 or 60 miles. You don't even make it to Trenton. Like, think about that. Like, just, that's it. He never left his own country. Now, don't get me wrong. Here's the creator, the master of, 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 he knew, he spoke every planet into being. He knew every star by name, but he was willing to limit himself because he understood the boundary of his community that God had called him to in his time frame here on earth. If the king of heaven can limit himself to walk in community and walk within those boundaries, how can we? We said it before, the first miracle that's recorded after the church's birth in Acts chapter 3 is, John and, uh, is, um, is Peter and John and the lame man by the temple. He had been laying there for years. He was in their own community. They probably walked by him hundreds of times on the way to the temple. But now, how they saw him changed. We may have seen things before, we may have recognized things before, but now we have the opportunity to change the way that we're seeing things. Change the way you're seeing how you're going about it. Isn't that what Noah did? Noah builds an ark. 
We all know the story. Noah brings an ark. God brings animals to Noah. Some clean, some unclean. Some would be used to worship God. Others would be used to actually stop people from being able to worship God. But, but Noah recognized this was his world. He treated them all the same. He fed them all. He cleaned them all up. He built an, an ark that would carry them all because there was danger in the water around them. And those animals needed a Noah. He didn't say, boy, you better clean yourself up before you get on here. Ah, you're an unclean animal. That the ark is a picture of the church. There are clean and unclean people in every church. Hallelujah. It's the way it's meant to be. Our job is not to keep unclean people out and make it a sanctuary for clean. It is for us to be embracing men and women, clean and unclean, feeding them, cleaning up after them, building an ark that will welcome them in and let God sort it out at the end. The trap is out of our own insecurity, especially in this post-pandemic world, I think we tend to shrink our communities down to controllable size clans. We've deceived ourselves into believing that we are living in a new revelation. Jake and I were talking about the, the downsized life. Right? We even have shows on TV, the downsized life, the downsized life. Like this is a new revelation. It's not a new revelation. It's a satanic reimagination. Be real clear. I'm not talking about you living in a camper if that's what you want to do. I'm talking about the way people see themselves and see how community is lived out. It's a satanic reimagination. Uh, let, me, let me think about this for a minute. Gather a group of people that will praise you and follow you, but not lead you toward God. Hmm. What type of community did Satan draw to himself in heaven again? A small group of people that would worship him, tell him he was right, and lead him away from God. Hey, let's just be real. What we're talking about in church world today, I'm living in a new revival, I'm just trying to make my life smaller. Why? I'm not talking about less busy, hallelujah. I'm not talking about less complicated, praise God. I'm talking about this concept of seeing community as, well, it's just us three, us four, and no more. I'm good. No, it's not. And it's never designed to be. The only one who designs a shrinking community is Satan, not, king, not the king. Everything God touches grows. Everything, come on, everything that the enemy touches shrinks and dies. So when we are looking for community that's just us four and no more, Whose imagination are we dreaming with? Oh, I got to go. This is all I know. I love what Paul says in Ephesians, I mean in 2 Corinthians 6, 11. He says, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter into this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. This is kingdom life. The truth is, my friends, God places the answers for community already in the midst of the community. The boy with the five loaves and two fish, in community. The, 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 the means to knock down the walls of Jericho, in community. Uh, the giant that stood 
uh, against Israel? The answer was found in an errand boy who was carrying lunches to his brother who was already in community. All of them, like you and I, may have shown up without understanding what God wanted to do. But when we actually allowed God to do what he wanted to do through us, there was victory. In the midst of it, and people were set free. I love the story. I've told this before about a, 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 an elderly Chicago lady who was, uh, who, uh, I love the story. It just encourages me all the time. She noticed there were some people living on the streets around the church, so she started making sandwiches for them, just sandwiches, and she started giving them out. She went to the pastor and said, hey, can I just open up the church and give them some cups of water from the church? And he's like, Absolutely. And sandwiches became uh, lunches, and, 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 and cups of water became cups of water, and cups of coffee, come on, and, 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 and small little sandwiches became meals, and it became a soup kitchen, and now they're feeding hundreds of people a week. Why? Was it some great big plan that the pastor sat down and launched and said, I have a vision from God? No, it was some lady who had a passion inside of her heart, who saw a need in her community, said, man, I can put some sandwiches together. I can put some P, B, and J on two pieces of bread wrap it up in some plastic, get a cup of water from the church, and I can give about an hour a day and go out and feed some folk. This ain't rocket science. We've got Christmas uh, toy store coming up on December 11th, and you can find out about that more on, uh, on our link tree. But man, we're going to be giving away. We don't, we're, we're giving away all sorts of things into, other, uh, into our community, but it's not because we're seeing the mere socioeconomic need. It's seeing how the enemy has tried to steal hope of families, the joy of parenting, the dignity that moms and dads can have in our community. I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. I can't, I can't give gifts to every kid, but we can give gifts to some kids. I can't stop poverty, but I can change someone's moment of lack. I can't eradicate hunger, but I can give somebody a sandwich. just want to draw our attention back to one thing as we go. The word perhaps. <laughs> Jonathan and his armor bearer were two people against an entire army. And they had one sword. And Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, let's go show ourselves. Perhaps God will do something. I mean, he didn't have a word from God. An angel didn't show up. The heavens did not part. There was not a trumpet sound. Go and you will win. He said, I know who God is. I know who I am. I know that I'm not okay with people in my community being oppressed. If I'm going out, I'm going out swinging. I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to retreat from the enemy. I'm not going to sit back and claim it's the government's fault or the leader's fault or the people's fault. I got something in my hand and I'm going to use it. And perhaps God is going to join me and do something supernatural. It's okay. I'm going to take a risk. I may look foolish, but I'm going to take a risk. I promise you, Noah looked foolish building an ark when it had never rained before. Moses looked foolish showing up at a Red Sea with nothing but a stick. Sarah looked foolish 
foolish believing for a child when she was 90 years old. The Israelites looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. David looked foolish fighting a, a giant with only a slingshot. Come on. Esther looked foolish going into the king uninvited. Caleb looked foolish being 85 and not retiring and demanding Hebron. The wise men looked foolish following a star. Peter looked foolish stepping out of a boat onto water. The woman with the issue of blood looked foolish pushing her way through a crowd to touch Jesus' hem. Come on. Blind Bartimaeus looked foolish crying out for God of mercy. Paul and Silas looked foolish worshiping God at midnight in a prison cell. The widow looked foolish putting two mites into the offering. Come on, the little boy looked foolish giving five loaves and two fish to feed thousands. Mary looked foolish being an unwed pregnant teenager. And Jesus looked foolish to the world hanging naked on the cross. But they had a different spirit inside of them. But they had a perhaps God spirit. They had a perhaps if I take a step, if I do what I can do, if I step out and give God a go, he might just show up and do something. And he did. Noah saved a community from the flood. Moses saw the Red Sea part. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Israel saw the walls of Jericho come falling down. David slew Goliath. Esther stopped the genocide of millions. Peter walked on the water. The wise men found the Messiah. The woman with the issue of blood was healed. Blind by and Bartimaeus began to see. Paul and Silas were released from prison that very night. Jesus said the widow gave more than everybody else. That boy gave up his lunch and fed thousands. Mary birthed the Messiah. And Jesus... After he had died foolishly, the world thought of the cross for nothing, rose again, come on, conquered sin and hell and death, and he is coming back. He rose again to be seated at the right hand of God. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps if we could take something that we have in our hand that looks so ordinary, perhaps if we could give God a go, Perhaps the people who are sitting next to you who have a smile today but they're going to go home and cry themselves to sleep tonight won't have to do it. Maybe that friend at work who's thinking about putting a gun to their head tonight, swallowing that pistol because they don't have any hope. They're losing their house. Their spouse walked out. Possibly. Possibly we give God a go and he does something a simple conversation for us could never do. A text, an emoji, prayer hands. I'm done playing church. Look, I love it. I love to worship with you. I love it with everything inside of me. I love it. I love the lights. I love the fog. I love when we had it. I love when people are jumping. I love when people are praising. I love to preach. I love to study the word. I love this. I love this. I love this. But this isn't all. This is the garden. And he said, go out from the garden and use what I've given you here. You are equipped. If a pastor, I can't speak Greek. Who cares? Do you know how many people have been changed by my Greek knowledge? Zero. Oh, I can impress your friends. I'll drop some words on them. People are like, Dag, I didn't know that. 
Do you know who was changed when Melissa drops off a cake with some love? Do you know who, how I was changed with that good old boy? When a Yankee was broken down by the side of the road? Come on, somebody. You know, if you know from, from the South, you know what I'm talking about. He could have driven right on by. He saw my place. They said New Jersey. For him, that's like saying the moon. Pull right over. There are people broken down by the road of life. And we're singing songs and feeling good about ourselves because we showed up. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's more. I'm not trying to get you to sign up to serve at church. I'm trying to get you to rise up and be the church. And you can say, but man, Pastor, I, I don't see it around. I don't either. That's why I'm calling it out. And I'm not worried about someone else's church. I'm worried about ours. I'm on the back nine. I only got a couple holes left. But I'm going to go out swinging. Come on. You got a sword and so do I. Let's use it. Let's pray. done. I'm done seeing my teenagers believing that some TikTok fame is going to heal their wounds. Make them feel accepted. Done. With fathers and mothers believing some work success is going to make their family healthy and whole. The enemy has lied and deceived the house of God and said they can make everything we need for life. Just lay down your tools. Be disengaged. Forget about prayer. Forget about witnessing. Forget about fasting. Forget about the Spirit. Forget about the gifts of the Spirit. Forget about praying in the Spirit. Forget about love. Forget about forgiveness. Just lay them down. I'll make you happy. He's a freaking liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He'll be a liar till the end. Jesus said, if I know the truth and apply it, if I put some feet on it, I'm going to be free. Holy Spirit, I pray that you may just release people in here today. Give us visions that we've never had before. Stir up hearts, minds. Stir up the things in our hands, Lord God. Let us not be distracted looking to the right or the left. Let us see people differently than we've ever seen before, Lord God. Let some door dashes and uber moments be birthed in this church right now in the name of Jesus. Father, let people rise up and understand what you've called and designed and crafted them to be was not a mistake. Where you've put them in, in community is not a mistake. The world you've placed them in is the world that you have called them to. Father, I pray right now for the Holy Spirit to move supernaturally across this room in Jesus' name. I just want to pray too before we go. I'm going to ask you. Maybe the first thing you need to do is surrender. Maybe you've never taken the moment to actually just say, Jesus, I know the enemy's been in my life, and I know he's controlled a lot of it for a long time, but I need you. The 
Bible says he's as close as the whisper of his name. If you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. Today, I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but whether you've never asked him into your life or whether you've been walking with him for years, but man, you find yourself far and distant from him today, today's the day to come home again. I'm inviting you to pray this prayer with me, not to me, but with me, because there's power in partnership. I'm standing in faith with you. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on him. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Come on, just right now. This is you. I'm not going to just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me, Jesus. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, forgive me for doing it my way. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, help me to be what you've designed me to be. Jesus, help me not to give in to the lies any longer. Jesus, help me to love you with all my heart. Father, I pray that those who are crying that out internally and externally right now, that you hear and that you move and that you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you guys just stand with me really quickly? pray over all of us in a moment. And I know Pastor John had offering today and it seems like lately we've just kind of been at this point where God has us do other stuff and I'm cool with that because I trust you. And I know he wouldn't have us do other stuff if he didn't trust you. And so look, on your way out, if you want to give today, there's lots of ways to do it. There's the QR code that's up there. The QR code is on all the kiosks that are there. You can drop a check in, in in one of those envelopes, put it in. You can give online. But we can only do and give outwardly what is resourced inwardly. We can only do outwardly what's written. Isn't that biblical? Does God ask you to do something outwardly that he hasn't resourced you with already inwardly? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to two things. Three things, actually. I want to invite you, if you have never followed Jesus in baptism, to take the step on November 20th and be baptized. Maybe you were baptized as a child, and I appreciate your parents' faith in that. That is awesome. We celebrate that. But the Bible says that when a believer makes a decision for Jesus, they're to be baptized. I want to invite you to come and maybe be a part of the Christmas toy store. It's December 11th. It's going to be after Sunday Sunday service at night, 530 to 830. We, we We just opened up nominations, I think on Friday, just with some people that had already been um, come before in the past. And we have a ton of people already registered who need help. But you know what else they need? They need to be applauded when they come down that boardwalk. They need to be met with hot, hot chocolate with a smile. They, they need to be 
have people who are walking through here and invite them to church, not out of, hey, you need to come to church, but man, my life's been changed here. We need people to run food out to them and give packages to them and be a part of that. And maybe you can't be here that night, but you can be praying, you can be giving, you can be inviting, and you can be nominating people in your world. This is a great way to use what's in our hands as a church to meet the needs in our world. And I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. Consider joining Forge and Shoulder to Shoulder. It's our discipleship moments. This week in Forge, we're going to be talking about this. Nothing else. <laughs> because I hope that you actually do what my Mrs. Klingelhofer said. Don't just hear this church truth, baby. Put some feet on it. Put some feet on it. I'm going to pray that over you now. Because I believe that there are some Uber dreams and some DoorDash dreams, that there are some visions that God has spurred. There are some things that even in this moment of church today that he has brought back to your remembrance, words he's spoken to you, prophecies he said over you about launching and being a part of things in the house and out of the house. My job is not to make sure that you do those things. My job is to do what I did, and bring the word forward, and hopefully stir those things once again. But this is your walk with God. This is your community. Father, I pray right now for every person here, every person standing, every person who is part of Connect, who's watching. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to move in such a way today that there are new visions and new dreams. Your word says, in the latter days you will pour out your spirit on all flesh that men and women will prophesy. Men and women will see visions. Men and women will begin to dream new dreams. Men and women will begin to move in the prophetic. Men and women will begin to see the, 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 the ordinary things become extraordinary. Father, I pray that that Holy Spirit be poured out today in power and in truth. I am believing today that things that were sparked inside of our hearts, that there were fires that were, that were kindled up inside of us, that they may burn away the doubt, burn away the disillusionment, burn away the worry about how overwhelming this can be and just give you a go give you a perhaps give us a perhaps spirit God give us a spirit that says God I'm going to give you what's in my hand and trust that you'll take the ordinary thing I bless you with and make it extraordinary to bless others daddy we love you we praise you we give you the glory and we thank you that that's what you did for us and so we choose to do it for one another we choose to do it for the community you called us to we choose to see See life differently, not to allow the enemy to rob from us, our generation, or our kids' generation any longer. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. And so today, we pick up our swords, Lord God, and we say, if all I got is one, that's all I need. You've called me, you've made me, you've empowered me, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much. May the Holy Spirit guide you this week. And I'll see you next week here at Connect.